welcome all to another PIDE's webinar on a very, very interesting topic that PIDE has been talking and working on for quite some time now. Road transportation is an important component of uh, the entire logistic chain uh, with railways uh, close to being not, uh, I mean, close to being zero or not really working. The modal shares in Pakistan are highly skewed towards road. I mean, the uh, as we have been talking, as we have been telling people that the share of the railway in this modal transport is hardly 4%. And that is also a big question mark, how it is 4%. So when it comes to transportation, uh, uh, the sector is huge, uh, both in terms of passenger and goods. And we've got very interesting players in the sector who are um, pushing the frontiers. And they are not only operating in the local economy, but they are now heading towards international connectivity uh, through land. So we have with us Vessel Movers, um, uh, one, one of the key players in the transport sector in Pakistan. So let's start with uh, Abdurrahman Saab. Abdurrahman Saab, kindly introduce yourself and then you can start your presentation. Thank you very much, uh, Dr. Sabah, for having us. We are very pleased to be here. Please let me know if uh, I'm audible. Yes, sir, you are audible. Okay, audible. thank you so much. Yeah, you're audible. So, uh, we are extremely pleased and honored to be invited by uh, PIDE and Dr. Sabah has been instrumental in, uh, you know, making this happen. So here we are, we are here to represent Vessel Movers and uh, to tell you a little story or, you know, <clears throat> how we are uh, doing our things and where we are looking at and what where we want to go. So to begin with, uh, as the agenda goes, we need to appraise the uh, audience with uh, a little history of our organization. So I believe uh, Mr. Vakar is the best person for that. He's already here. So if you may allow me, I'm going to share my screen uh, if that... Uh, uh, is this you possible? Have rights, yes, you have rights, sir. You can share. Okay. So, Vukasa, if you can take over and uh, give some orientation about the history of uh, our organization before we move, move on to the, you know, uh, the actual part, how are we going to proceed from here? Yeah, thank you very much, Mr. Abdurrahman. Malik Okar here. Uh, I am actually uh, uh, heading the international business and projects, but unfortunately, as Mr. Noman is not well today, so uh, I have to uh, take over the seat of Mr. Noman as well. So uh, I think I'm audible. Hello? Yes, sir, you are audible, sir. Okay, okay. Actually, we started this... Uh, journey in 1994, uh, we introduced or we unveiled the logo and the name of fashion movers in the market of Pakistan in 1994 in transportation only. We started with the trawlers, uh, logis uh, logistics, and uh, carriages. In 2001, from 1994 to 2001, we did only the logistic business. We didn't enter into uh, uh, passenger uh, transport. 
and in 2001 we started our uh, bus service passenger transport uh, with the name and logo of fashion movers initially uh, the first bus uh, we uh, started from bus service we started from sargoda to multan because we are already had a very good setup there in multan and sargoda we were basically based so we selected the market of sargoda uh, to uh, to start the passenger business from sargoda to multan but it was only one bus at that moment in 2001 uh, 2004 a little bit our model was changed uh, and we went into some signature bus service that is non stop luxury bus service that was uh, actually the new idea uh, that time in 2004 only one company was uh, doing this uh, following this model but not up to the mark so we actually decided to enter in that market where the competition was low but the entry barrier was very high because we 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 needed the luxury buses that time which was not the trend of the market in uh, and 2004 uh, simultaneously when we started uh, when we changed the model from no common bus service to the luxury bus service we started different stations as well multan to rawalpindi route we established that time uh, and uh, computerized ticketing we uh, had it towards that because uh, of the luxury uh, bus traveling we also Uh, focused on the different uh, weak points of the other uh, service uh, related to the service that was also ticketing manual ticketing that was uh, in practice that time we started digital ticketing that time computerized ticketing 2006 we explored <clears throat> i'm sorry we explored new destinations dg khan bahawalpur uh, we added uh, actually uh, southern punjab different cities we brought on board and in 2008 we started to touch the small stations as well like okada uh, and uh, here in gujranwala and 2010 we expanded the fleet with new devo buses devo company buses on almost all routes and 2011 we started the most at the time at uh, currently the most busy route lahore rawalpindi and uh, we provided a better bus buses as well as timings and uh, as well as uh, the service standard in 2012 multan to fastabad and satkabad to multan lahore to rawalpindi those routes uh, we started for uh, for our passengers uh, with luxury buses 2014 peshawar route was established this is actually uh, the way we we uh, made up ourselves established in this uh, passenger transport but simultaneously we were also uh, uh, in the field of logistics and carriages but uh, our uh, might be you can say the most uh, uh, you can say uh, admirable uh, thing our admirable services became not logistic but the passengers transport in 2016 we started lahore fastabad route and uh, 
2018, actually, we, we started one of other sector that is uh, with a brand name of KCF. Uh, that was basically a courier company, uh, which we, because we were already having uh, almost all the routes on board, so we started the courier service. Uh, we decided to uh, also enter into the business of courier service in 2018. And in 2020, IT integration, Bokuru and Rakub, these three things, three different segments, we also uh, started tapping. One, uh, Bukuru is, uh, uh, we launched the app for uh, online ticketing and other services. Uh, Rakub, we started a taxi service, which we facilitated our customers, our passengers, uh, to who, who came without uh, their own uh, cars or their own uh, means, so they can hire the taxi, trustable uh, taxi service from our terminals. And in 2022, uh, this past year, we started our intra-city service. That all the time, the right from the 2001 until 2021, we were not in the business of uh, intra-city. In 2022, we uh, started our intra-city business with uh, a BRT, uh, establishing an independent BRT division uh, and started uh, with the seed with the, our collaboration with CDA and uh, having a project of uh, blue line, green line and orange line on board. This was a brief history of uh, Faisal Movers, how we started the business and came up to 2023. Yeah, I just Rahman. want to add a few things. Uh, there are a few things we've been doing all along. Uh, this uh, Before BRT, we were having one or two routes in Multan or Dijihan for, you know, intercity transportation, urban transport. That was on demand of some political influence or whatever. So as an organized business uh, segment, BRT started in 2022. And I believe most of the people are from Islamabad and they would have an idea what is uh, we are talking about. The three types of buses already running in Islamabad. One is uh, that orange line bus that uh, goes to uh, in airport from Peshawar mode, and two other routes, a blue line and a green line from Pims to Barakau and uh, Gulgad Green, respectively. So this is, you know, a very quick uh, brief on the journey, what how it started, and uh, this is how it's looking like now. But the, the journey was not so easy. It uh, had, uh, you know. Uh, a lot of uh, struggle and a lot of efforts went into the whole journey and the family, the Khaja family, they have been extremely, you know, uh, gritty and uh, consistent and they had this uh, wonderful idea and they pursued as a whole family. Now it is a case where we have become one of the largest uh, public transport uh, providers in the country, as well as among top 10 logistics providers, uh, the carriage and uh, logistics providers in the country, working with the, the organizations like uh, NLC and POSCO and food department and uh, also in the field business of liquid and the solid cargoes. So just to, you know, as per the agenda given, I would uh, like uh, to give some uh, idea how difficult it was uh, as, as a journey from uh, 
So first of all, every business uh, that uh, has to you know cope up with is the entry barrier challenges. Whether this logistics or transportation, either uh, you know commercial or public, it it uh, you know revolves around a very expensive equipment that is a truck or a bus. So first of all, it, we had an entry barrier, and while you are you know getting into such business. There are all kinds of difficulties. Not only that, the market is not very conducive. The legal framework is not easy. So much so, you know, we are being in 2022, being the largest entity of uh, our industry. We still face so many challenges uh, regarding this legal framework that we are unable to establish our own terminals in various parts of the uh, country, especially Punjab. For example, if uh, we talk about Lahore, uh, there is a very funny uh, law being uh, observed that uh, if we want to establish a, a terminal within the boundaries of uh, the city, you know, the city is considered to be any any place within the ring road of Lahore. You have to have at least 50 canals of land uh, and uh, that land you have to have the ownership type of rights or lease rights. While nobody is uh, you know, naive to know that 50 canals of land empty in a city like Lahore is next to impossible. And if there is any, the cost and uh, the opportunity cost of that land is so high that it cannot be uh, spared for bus terminal alone. So that happened with the, what, what we see, the market competition. The market competition, there are some people who were in the inside the city and they didn't want other companies to make their terminals inside the city. So they somehow, uh, we believe that it is kind of grievance because I, any law which is not uh, facilitating the public or the businessman is not a good law. So it cannot be with good intentions. So even in 2023, we are facing these challenges that the legal framework does not allow an easy entry to the market where we can find good routes to plan. And uh, if you see the journey we've just, uh, you know, skimmed you through, uh, we had to start our business from the areas that were left out mostly by the people who are already in the business like Skyways or Devus. They, they had little uh, interest in the underdeveloped area of South Punjab. And likewise, uh, this is where we saw our opportunity and uh, encashed on that. That is where we become so strong and uh, we established the highest level of services that brought us here. So while these, uh, uh, in every industry, like, uh, you know, ourselves, we have a very strong challenge of human resource. The quality of the human resource is not so good as we always being Pakistani, boast of or uh, try to take a lot of credit that we have very good human resource. We have very good humans, maybe, but not uh, the trained or the properly educated human resource. This is a challenge we face every day. We, any industry we're working in, especially our industry that uh, has a lot of things to do with the lives of the people and the goods of the people, where this is where we need more sophisticated and more educated and trained uh, human soul, but unfortunately, this is a big challenge we still face. So then, while you know uh, logistics and transportation to being a very integral part of uh, GDP of the country, because all the businesses are dependent on the logistics, uh, be it you know any kind of uh, transportation, be personal or commercial. 
we don't enjoy the status of industry. So while the transportation industry does not enjoy the status of industry, there is a big uh, problem regarding uh, the raising the capital or getting loans from the banks. There are all kinds of funny, uh, you know, conditions being imposed by the banks, and it is a very expensive uh, industry. A, the equipments are very expensive. Uh, B, the raising of capital is very expensive due to the uh, the business is not uh, as a, as an industry. So this has been a very big challenge uh, to all the peoples. So that is one reason uh, we see that there are a very uh, small number of people uh, entering into this business. And even if somebody is entering, they cannot uh, do it independently. Well, the need and uh, the demand of uh, the public transportation has uh, multiplied manifold over the last few years, a couple of decades. So that's, uh, Dr. Sabha, this is uh, the, you know, fundamental part. Uh, we come to the conclusion that how we started, where we are, and what is the challenges we had to face uh, while reaching here. So if you may allow me, I just want to share a few slides. Then we may proceed to the, you know, core objective of this webinar regarding the future, how we look at uh, how the market, the policies and the public sector and the government the need to come up and uh, cope up with the challenges what we as a country are facing regarding the environment, the traffic, the population, the planning and everything. So sure, sir. if you, thank you very much. If there is anything we want to, you know, uh, come clean up here, we'll be very happy to take a question or two here. Uh, Ramansa, we'll have a question answer session uh, after your presentation. Okay, thank you, Dr. So just a bird's eye view of uh, the logistics sector. This excludes the public transportation. Uh, and uh, if you may see there, you know, certain parts, the logistics contains to every business, every industry that produces any goods or any services. So uh, first of all, if somebody needs to import or export anything, there is a freight forwarding of the part, they need to book ship or an air cargoes that comes uh, into the country or goes out. So these are uh, freight forwarding, air freight, ocean freight, just for the raw materials and the goods. Then there is, uh, in most of the countries, there are uh, rail transports and uh, obviously the road transportation. Road network, that is 90% uh, of uh, Pakistan's uh, rate traffic, which is very unfortunate as uh, a country because uh, this leaves us with a very high dependency on the roads, a very extreme burden on uh, limited available resources for a country developing like us. And then similarly, the road network also provides for the 90% of the public transport of our country, other transport means like uh, you know air or rail or even you know waterways. We we don't uh, catch up, make up only even five percent of uh, that uh, market share. So the road transportation is the actually network, the road network which uh, bears all the burden of this country for commercial or personal transportation or bus for business or any you know, person to do whatever they want to do in, uh, for living, for their uh, joy or anything. So uh, then this uh, industry that uh, 
is divided into two parts. One is commercial logistics or commercial transportation. The other is public transportation. We have just uh, seen that uh, for the commercial logistics, this is the distribution, warehousing, and freight, and then dry and liquid, and uh, you know, containerized and brake bulk, all kind of. For public transportation, uh, this is the sad part. Actually, the sadder part. Commercial logistics, we are you know coping up with one year or another. We are matching up uh, the international standards at time also. But uh, the public transportation is where we lack the most, especially the intracity, the you know the local transportation where we don't have uh, any organized uh, rapid transit systems or transportation networks. So that's why we have to uh, contend with the very you know unhuman friendly and economy friendly and environment friendly means like rickshaws, taxis, and other things. So there are very few cities they are lucky to have some you know rapid transit systems uh, or buses, but that too is too little, too little to uh, meet any requirement of uh, the public. Then uh, there is the question that how this uh, can be a very efficient and where we need to be this is a basic uh, yeah, uh, traits a good integrated uh, logistic company or a business needs to have it has to be efficient it has to be flexible and uh, the quality service i am sure this is uh, an area you most of you people have very good idea well, there are very few companies that have, uh, they, who are using these integrated systems in Pakistan. I've given some examples about that as well. And this is a little overview. Uh, I mean, uh, how the nomenclature of uh, the fleets, uh, freight transportation is comprised. And uh, on the right side, there's a very small list of the challenges. Uh, that uh, informal segment is providing us that we have to look at. So uh, I believe uh, this this is not uh, the area we are here to discuss. So that's why I keep it very precise and uh, small on this. The, that is the part which I believe uh, was uh, the question of uh, most uh, in, uh, interest. Uh, what a quality public transport system is? This is uh, where we we uh, understand that there is a lot of things that are needed to be done in our country, and uh, this is where we need to make uh, most of uh, the development in the days to come. So, first of all, this this public transportation system we are talking about. Why are we talking about public transportation system? Yes, we if we see in Islamabad, if we see in Lahore we see in Karachi or any, you know, medium to big size city of the country, we see that there is a big mess going around everywhere. Whenever we are at the road, we are not certain that we will be able to reach our destination in timely manner. We are never sure that we will feel ourselves very safe and uh, comfortable at all. So the dependence on the personal means of transportation is so high that it is eating up the economic uh, capacity of the country. Uh, I what we believe is a good public transportation system needs to have most of these traits, if not all. That is needs to cover all the areas, most of the part of the cities where the people go and uh, 
from where the people come from, to and from. Uh, like uh, there is a very classic example in Islamabad. We have a very very minute coverage of public transportation, and uh, even then, that public transportation is so hugely overloaded. While it cannot be, you know, considered a very reliable system, while people have to reach there with their personal transportation to even, you know, catch a metro bus or a, you know, uh, other routes of the recently started uh, routes, operating routes. Then there's the frequency. We have this uh, fundamental question of frequency because the frequency means how often we get after how long interval we get ourselves boarded on a public transport. Like uh, if you see, we are, uh, we've been working in Lahore, in Lahore, only in the Lahore, 64 buses of Lahore Metro bus, they are transporting over 160,000 passengers a day. Uh, that, why is that? That one route carries so many passengers, uh, it's always, uh, you know, breaching the capacity because it has a very good frequency of about two minutes. Every two minutes, people are able to find a bus. So they are easily, you know, relying on that for doing any of their, you know, chores or for reaching to hospital or making to an exam center or catching up an interview. So that's where they, where they find themselves that they can rely on a public transport. And instead of going on a car or a motorbike or a private owned, you know, hired rickshaw or taxi, then it is easy that every two minutes they're going to get a bus and they reach there with safety, if not to most of the comfort, because it's so overloaded most of the time. Similarly, if we see from the recently started routes in Islamabad from Pins, which go to maybe, you know, Gulberg Greens, always overcrowded. And there's just, you know, very little number of buses, 10 buses that have been uh, provided for that. Out of those 10 buses, it's impossible most of the time to uh, keep all of them in service because a few of them may be needing some uh, uh, pay works. So we cannot uh, make the next bus available before 10 minutes. That is where the reliability of the people goes away. They, don't, they will not wait for 10 minutes, maybe, to uh, take on a public transport. They will go for the other means. Then the comfort, that's a luxury if you have, but uh, we have seen, I've seen in Europe and other countries, public transportation, they come with a lot of comfort and convenience at the same time. Here in Pakistan, the fundamental question again comes the affordability. If a public transportation uh, mean is not affordable, like where, what we have recently seen in Lahore uh, with the metro train, there, you know, one uh, stop to stop fare was uh, at 40 rupees. That uh, failed to bring in uh, the customers and the passengers on the metro train. They had to, you know, now reduce it. But uh, by the time they reduced it, the reliability of the people has already blown away uh, due to this factor. So that's why they, they are still not reverting to this metro train, which was a very expensive medium we, for a country like ours, over, you know, 250 billion rupees, and still we are carrying less than 50,000 passengers, while, you know, whole uh, subsidy for the provinces of Punjab is less than 15 billion. And uh, we are carrying uh, at least 1 million passengers in Punjab on very small uh, networks we have established. 
and then obviously like any business like any service it has to be sustainable it has to be long term so the sustainability that comes from the affordability of the governments that uh, provide those services it has to maintain the quality of uh, standards and the quality of the services they are providing uh, that again we have an example in lahore uh, that metro train being operated may not be extremely sustainable as it has a very high capital cost to begin with and then the commercial uh, loans and uh, the international loans that come with that uh, again the taxes being provided by the government and the cost of the input in energy is uh, storing so high that it is not looking sustainable government might have to look at uh, a lot of things uh, while planning for a longer term uh, for such projects so this is pretty much a, a, the fundamental qualities a public transportation system needs to have and there are certain examples we can give like the, in tokyo i have seen in tokyo there are at least maybe you know uh, 15 million people who use this uh, tokyo transportation system every day similarly in london they are the larger ones they have uh, all kind of integrated networks like buses trains uh, tubes ferries and uh, uh, local uh, rails also other than the metros and then uh, for the country like us uh, like is this is example in brazil they have a wonderful rapid transit bus system that covers large part of the city and similarly in latin america actually is the leader of in the bus rapid transit system almost all the countries have very good and reliable uh, bus transit system there which uh, you know not only supports the requirement of the public but also comes at a less cost and uh, less time this is why we call it reliable and uh, you know more suitable for developing countries especially from here you know we understand uh, that uh, there are always examples to be followed uh, the countries that have developed they have uh, done few good things that's why they are so effective and efficient uh, public transportation systems so while we look at islamabad lahore karachi peshawar quetta multan or our cities we need to learn the lessons from them currently as a country we are facing with an extreme challenge that is uh, the environmental issues and uh, this has not only you know cost us extremely high but also we are looking at uh, it as an impediment for our future uh, uh, going concern and uh, outlook as a sustainable country in 2022 most of the country had so many rays that uh, there is a very large number of people which is still unable to find a roof in such extreme weather today we are sitting in lahore but i can tell you uh, there will be few people from lahore here who can uh, you know concur that uh, this, this it's a midday already and we are unable to see the sun this is the environmental and uh, issues uh, related to that whole you know the province of at least 12 million people or 120 million people is un- unable to move today to from their own homelands to home hometowns to other places this is uh, uh, it doesn't didn't happen in one day we were very careless regarding our uh, policies and regarding our preferences 
about uh, vehicles and uh, the industry we are running. So this is, uh, we have seen that a lot of countries have gone to the cleaner energy and they have put in extremely strict uh, vehicle emission standards. I was in uh, London a couple of decades ago while studying. So I bought a car for 180 pounds for myself, uh, a very good Honda Accord, 10 years old. But when I went for the, you know, uh, fitness certificate, which is essential for any vehicle to be operated on the road, it cost me 400 pounds, at least, you know, uh, two and half times more than the actual cost of the vehicle. So this is where the strict vehicle emission standards come in that uh, prevent bad uh, traffic on the roads and uh, make the environment safe. Then at this moment, if uh, we say, uh, see all around the world, especially the countries that are more developed like Scandinavians or the Americans, uh, the alternative fuel is the way to go. More than 50% of all new vehicles being bought in Europe are electrical. Similarly, the fastest growing company for the greener vehicle is the Tesla and the news who are giving electric vehicles. So this is where our country needs to come up and take a few lessons. We have to move towards that. Well, uh, everybody's in agreement that uh, in IT and uh, intelligent and um, artificial intelligence is the way to go. And uh, we can say uh, everywhere it's happening, but we have only been to employ basic information uh, transportation systems in our uh, country. Even, you know, uh, the most sophisticated industries like airlines. We are unable to bring intelligence systems in Pakistan. We are having to rely on the people. We are having to rely on uh, the expensive uh, means of uh, transportation uh, management system. So the other couple of lessons is uh, the safety regulations in our country. This is a very big challenge. It's such a big challenge that we are unable to even, you know, comprehend it at this moment. We have no idea what we are doing with the, our safety regulations. In Punjab, and if you go to any rural part of Sindh or KP, the highest number of vehicles we see on the road for public transportation is Chingchi, which is uh, the most unsafe and uh, unenvironment friendly mean, mean of uh, transportation. But uh, the biggest challenge it puts to our economy as a country is that it has dried up all the you know vocational capacity of the countries. In our days, we used to see if some people are not good at education, they would go and learn some uh, vocational uh, skill and uh, set up their own businesses. But while this is the easiest way to enter into any earning uh, system, the changes they have uh, not only eaten up the vocational capacity of our country, but they are putting up an extremely uh, big challenge for the safety. We every day we see the accidents being happening uh, on the roads, and then again the motorbikes, the other means of safety. Uh, I remember I got my license from London, and uh, it was a very tough uh, job getting a license there. Well, I was really surprised to know that uh, for driving a motorcycle in uh, Europe or England, they had 
10 times more stricter and difficult uh, driving test, uh, theoretically and practically. And then we felt very, uh, you know, relieved that it's okay in Pakistan, we don't even need a license for driving a motorbike. But uh, the sad part of this is in every household in our uh, urban population and uh, also the rural areas, a story that is told regarding an accident which took some lives or, you know, uh, made some people disabled. Finally, the road pricing mechanisms, that is an extremely, you know, challenging part uh, where that, but still it can be learned. Uh, in London, again, I gave examples for London because I have had uh, a long time stayed there. Uh, if uh, there is a central London, which is more congested and smaller roads, if somebody go wants to go there and park the car there, they have to pay the congestion charges. Similarly, if many people would have been to Makkah or Medina, especially Makkah, no vehicle coming from outside Makkah can enter the city. It cannot, you know, make the roads more congestion congested. So they have to park it outside the city. Similarly, Beijing, one of the largest cities in uh, the world, they have the similar uh, regulation. It is a very expensive cost to bring your car into the Beijing. You cannot drive it on the roads. You have to park and you have to pay very high parking fees. So this is uh, where the some sort of pricing income needs to come into our cities. If we see in Islamabad at 1.30 p.m., you will have to spend at least 40, 40 minutes for any journey that should not take more than 10 minutes. So we are paying price anyway, but uh, if the price is uh, which can be of benefit to the general public, that is the, the helpful part and that is the way to go. And we have seen the people doing it very successfully. The same amount then can be used for the public uh, benefits and the projects for their benefit. So the potential solutions, uh, we have talked about the problems, the solutions, uh, obviously that comes uh, uh, again with the very strong public policy from the governments and uh, the intelligentsia of the society. Like uh, Europe has already gone to the non-motorized transportation, the cycle, and we used to have this a lot but unfortunately, uh, due to the easy access of motorbikes and chinchis and rickshaws, uh, we have uh, almost abandoned this. We need to go back to these non-motorized transportations. Our traffic management, this is uh, a very uh, usual part of our life now. We are happy with the bad traffic. We don't uh, do much. We can just wait. If uh, there will be a lot of people among the audience they, that they need to go from uh, Islamabad towards uh, Faisalabad or maybe towards Gulbarg uh, Green or even to DHA. Every day, we I know this because we operate a route there. So every day in the evening, it's very easy to be late for like one hour, 30 minutes, 40 minutes. Why it happens? Because we don't have very strong traffic management measures. People are doing whatever they want. This is a truly free country, uh, especially when it comes to the road commuting. There is always, you know, people colliding into each other. And uh, again, why it happens? It, it is one uh, sprout of uh, being uh, bad urban planning, of route planning, and 
you know, traffic uh, management system. So this is where we need to do our urban uh, planning and all the master plans for the bigger cities. We need to bring in uh, more traffic friendly and uh, more uh, uh, user friendly laws and rules to make uh, things better. Again, the clean energy, we have already talked about it. That is the way to go. It has to come in and it has to come in sooner. The biggest thing that uh, needs to be done, that uh, needs to be changed is uh, the public uh, investment should be going into the public transport. Unfortunately, if we look at, uh, for example, Islamabad, this is a zero public transportation system which uh, almost you know burdens the economy of this and the quality of life of the city is unbearable and that is probably the only capital in the whole world which doesn't have a public transport system and uh, our way of thinking and how we take up the thing, things are extremely you know unrealistic towards the modern age and day we live in so there is uh, a lot uh, we need to do for the public transport mechanism to bring in all the cities. Uh, anywhere, every money goes, there is a very sustainable public transportation in Europe, in America, in the Far East, in ASEAN, in, uh, you know, Russia. Public transportation is the way to go. That uh, not only saves us uh, the economic cost, it also gives uh, a lot of people a lot of... Uh, means to earn for their living and then uh, the country also get helps for burning the less fuel per capita and uh, consuming less space per capita while commuting uh, how it happens then governments they can uh, have the need to come for you know incentives for people to use less of their cars or less of their bikes that uh, rides on the public incentive that happens in china there are a lot of incentives being given to the people who buy electric cars or do the carpooling for the taxing, tax and uh, you know, registration costs. So this is pretty much it, uh, Dr. Sabha. I had to say I, I, I'm sure that I'm, I've been unable to cover all the things that were unexpected from us, but uh, I hope uh, there will be questions and answers. We'll be able to cover a few things. Over to you, Doctor. Thank you so much, Abdurrahman Saab, for a very comprehensive uh, uh, presentation. Uh, I'm glad and I'm really happy that all the points that we have been discussing off and on, while you were in Islamabad or you were uh, in Lahore, all the points have been covered. Uh, the floor is now open for question and answer as per the format of our webinar. So uh, if you have any questions, please raise your hands. <coughs> all right, if there are no questions, then I have some of them right now. Um, so, uh, Abdurrahman, thank you so much for uh, letting us know about how you started and you took us through the journey of how you started Pestle Movers and how you started on the routes where there was no transport available, which was a very strategic move um, for sure. The market entry, you've already talked about it, that there's a requirement of 50 canals of land if you want to have a terminal. Um, so we have seen pestle movers sharing terminals, right? So this was basically the outcome of this requirement that you had to fulfill. Yes. You wanted, you, you were supposed to have 50 canals of land for every terminal. So we have seen pestle yes. mover all over the country sharing terminals with other transport um, uh, entities. Yes, you are right. 
uh-huh. so, that, that uh, also comes with a lot of you know management issues it's not always easy uh, to make the sharing arrangement possible because people with smaller interest they are the worst to be hit while people with the larger interest in the terminals they have the larger part the lion's share so that the entry barrier remains uh, as it is while people have to find alternate uh, markets and routes where they can establish their services like the passing over had to do so this is one thing uh, the, the sharing is you know one solution but is not the comprehensive solution solution is either you know uh, uh, if uh, in other countries there are the terminals provided by the government and the people operate their services and uh, like the airports there that are provided by the aviation authorities and uh, the airlines are open to give their services there and then it is competition uh, for the pricing and for the quality and for the coverage but unfortunately for the even in the shared terminal this is not the solution uh, that is required all right so in terms of competition so what has fessel mover done i mean this was the first uh, the first thing you told us about was you know uh, picking up the routes where there was no transport running so what were the other um, aspects of your business or your buses uh, the quality of the buses the leg room what were the other features that uh, made uh, made you able to run sustain the business as you're saying it's a very costly business but you were able to sustain the business and run successfully on the roads well uh, as we said that uh, the transportation the routes we took on were the most neglected ones uh, as uh, the southern punjab is underdeveloped and if for example uh, i am not sure if you have seen dg khan dg khan would have never had uh, even thought of a very good public transport with the luxury and with the modern amenities so this is where we had to and that is why it took us so long that uh, the devu had already set a standard let me admit that they they put up uh, a new horizon on the transportation in our country the most of the people even uh, fast movers uh, to to some extent had to follow that suit but we were the uh, on the biggest route in our country that operates is from lahore to islamabad and then that is extended to peshawar and uh, other parts so we we it took us almost 10 years to get onto this route where we had to establish our own uh, market in southern part of the province from there it uh, it was you know the demand uh, driven uh, from uh, customers in the south and obviously it is a, a huge market uh, there is a very large of people that commute on this route so while uh, there is a decline in the train system that uh, also made this uh, route more viable for the bus operator so it the, the 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 thing we did were not uh, uh, it didn't happen overnight we had to establish <laughs> and only then we were able to expand it to other parts that is a sustainable and more mature way of you know spreading ourselves otherwise we have seen people they start business like a very large network try to catch up and compete the market with the, an aggressive pricing policy which is not sustainable most of, most of the time 
and still you know uh, customers uh, tend to be loyal in uh, the the services regarding their comfort and luxury i hope uh, All right. this yes thank you abdurrahman uh, sir we have a couple of questions um uh, mohammed uh, bilal sir please introduce yourself unmute your mic and please introduce yourself before asking question assalam alaikum ji main mohammed bilal uh, i am a program coordinator at institute of urban design islamabad uh, my i have two questions actually one is uh, uh, the first move is planning to uh bring electric vehicles to the to their fleet or they are they must be uh sustainable in a way that they should be charged by a uh, solar energy so are they planning uh, that kind of projects and the second is uh, i i think they don't have any uh, bikes bicycle parking and uh, motorbike parking at their terminals so they are planning for specific right. parking places or not uh, thank you okay bilal sir thank you very much for your very uh, valid question actually in all this talk and discussion we have missed one part uh, which uh, i just remembered with your question where what fasimur is considering as a business regarding electric buses uh, bilal singh uh, electric buses or electric buses technology is uh, in use all over the world but in a limited uh, mechanism uh, mostly well, almost 99% of the electric buses in the world being used are on the you know intracity or urban transportation why this uh, the battery technology we have these days is not sustainable for longer journey from maybe from lahore to islamabad or even uh, islamabad to even peshawar Uh, it may not be a very doable thing. Well, while every bus needs a very long time for getting charged, so only the urban transportation where they operate in the day and charge in the night is the way to go right now. Uh, I can tell you a good news for that. Uh, we uh, had uh, uh, there is a project CDA is taking up uh, in uh, Islamabad already. It was a tender. Uh, offered uh, for 100 electric or hybrid buses which fasim were one for hybrid buses but again the government decided that they will go for electric buses now they are in the process of retendering the same so uh, very soon i hope within 6 months uh, you going to see electric buses operating in islamabad at uh, at least 150 buses so this is where fasim was uh, will be able to bring in electric buses definitely but for this commercial public transportation that uh, may be a way to go in this regard because available technology needs to uh, in complete complement this idea while we have uh, made ourselves uh, already you know a step ahead from the competition we have signed mous with uh, some companies in china and uh, even in germany for provision of uh, electric buses technology and we have uh, signed mous and we'll be joining hands with them but again if we go for longer uh, distance batteries that is an extremely expensive uh, equipment to buy unless there is a, a change in the technology that we are using i hope there is a change very soon on the corner or we have to move on the smaller side smaller pockets like urban transportation that's where we are extremely committed 
and we are prepared and uh, you will see it happening inshallah very soon the second question regarding the bikes uh, you must have heard some part of my discussion that uh, that the, one of the anti barriers is uh, the terminals that are built for operating uh, commercial transportation public transportation uh, we are unable to find uh, suitable places suitable size of places in uh, most of the cities we are operating this is why there is again the the, the you know parking is connected to all the problems we are talking if there is a sustainable public transportation system you don't, don't even need a bike to reach uh, a terminal so that is not so simple the places we get to start our businesses or even run the business is not only very small but also are very expensive um, we definitely have this understanding that people need to be accommodated and they need to have the facilities when they come and go from our terminals but again uh, that has some limitations that we have to contend with but the point is taken i i, I definitely will uh, look into this and if we can do something we'll try to do our best inshallah right um we have another question uh, uh omar sadiq Assalamu alaikum. Well, <clears throat> from Pai. So uh, I have just a very uh, quick question. You mentioned that uh, there is a paucity of uh, skilled uh, uh, <clears throat> labor force, I mean, workers in your uh, uh, business, line of business. So what kind of uh, skills do you seek when you, uh, I mean, you are trying to hire people for your business? Okay, is that all? Uh, okay, sir, yes. this is this is uh, uh, a very small question, but it has a very big answer. About ten years back, when I took over one of the biggest uh, transportation company as the chief operating officer, the first challenge I uh, had to face was uh, the drivers. Uh, when I interacted with them, um, none of the drivers, hardly any driver I could find was educated. And then again, the process through which a person becomes a commercial driver is a very timid and very, you know, disturbing journey. A child which, you know, obviously, uh, it's not considered as a career that uh, the people will adopt for themselves or for the children. Most of the people who come into this uh, line are the, the you know, the runaways from the schools or the family business work. So a very young kid uh, have to come into this line and uh, while reaching up to the steering, uh, that kid has to go through a lot of things which are uh, very challenging, both morally, physically and mentally. So by the time he becomes a driver and is able to drive, uh, his social skills and social behavior is already framed in a way that uh, there is a very little concern regarding the morality and regarding the compliance of legal requirements and obviously the business owners. They, they have very difficult and different way of thinking. So this is where the challenges come. They have very little ownership. They can you know just leave a vehicle anywhere and run away at any time while the, they may be carrying goods of worth hundreds of millions or carrying passengers. Similarly, that due to lack of training and uh, moral standards, 
they they can do anything to any vehicle the the, the biggest challenge for any commercial transportation uh, company in this country is the theft, theft of fuel we have been unable to control the theft of fuel by employing so many different uh, means and so many different resources so that is the the part when i said said the human resource uh, we don't have a trained human resource drivers are not trained they are they acquire the skill by going through certain process similarly if uh, you look at uh, the technical staff the workshop staff very few of them are you know from any polytechnic institute or vocational education background most of them are just you know uh, they have learned uh, by going there in the, in a workshop and uh, going through a timid process of uh, becoming a mechanic or a helper mechanic or anything so that's what i said when i said that we have uh, not a quality human resource uh, for our industry we have tried i have uh, tried myself actually i i i tried to bring in women uh, and we still have a plan for women drivers in uh, orange line inshallah uh, within this year then i tried to make incentivize the performance of the people to you know uh, in a company i i have tried to uh, give incentives to the people who get their children educated uh, for offering their children jobs or some scholarships but still you know it it is a, a very large challenge because there is no proper system if you know of any you know vocational institution that uh, gives you a proper training for public vehicle uh, transportation or commercial vehicle transportation there is none maybe uh, there is one maybe nh is offering some courses we have tried that also we uh, we once you know hired whole batch of uh, uh, drivers they trained but that again was uh, not uh, demand driven that was uh, an aid driven project which uh, brought in people for some stipend on scholarships none of them uh, turned into what we would want i you know i am a professional accountant by my education and uh, experience we go through a process and then we uh, go through the ranks and become uh, you know i started as an accountant then i became a manager then i became a senior manager then i went into you know other sides and now i enjoy the highest position uh, that one can enjoy as a chief operating officer but for a driver there is no career path for a mechanic there may be you know the best thing you would be able to do is uh, to open his own workshop uh, for certain uh, uh, parts or certain uh, mechanical work so uh, while there is no career path well, ideally as a transport company what we want is people have some background education some training and then if those people uh, give their services as drivers for for example we'll be able to promote them as supervisors and then the managers provided they need to have the basic uh, required education or the skills that are needed for the managers or people more than uh, drivers so this is uh, one side of the challenge and then uh, uh, there are other side of the whole story that comes with the you know the cost of uh, having expensive resources and uh, its impact for the competitiveness 
So the pretty much uh, what I said is uh, when which which was referred to as the quality of human human resource. So I I have another question. You said uh, something about uh, non motorized mode of transport, and you mentioned something about capitals, especially uh, not having. At the same time, you mentioned about capitals not having, uh, you know, uh, planned transport systems or mass uh, transport systems. So how do you um, view the transport planning in Pakistan? Uh, you're in touch with a lot of government agencies that are in, involved in it. How do you how do you view it? And Faisal Movers do have a plan of electrical vehicles, and you're you in the process. So why, uh, I I would just like your opinion on um, uh, the governance of the transport sector uh, and the policies that are being designed and. Uh, 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 what do you think about them? Okay, Rashad. This is the difficult question now. Non-motorized transportation is the bicycles. Uh, this is what we have seen uh, uh, in last 10 years. Uh, the London uh, City Council has built a whole network of bicycle lanes in, in the city, which is promoting uh, people to buy the bicycles and giving them exclusive routes and uh, uh, you know means for that and giving some giving some subsidy also. So this is and if you see say uh, uh, you must have uh, been aware of the fact like country like Holland they have the largest per capita bicycles. That is not just you know happening uh, by chance. That has to be. Uh, uh, coupled with the certain public policy, the government policies, and then a, a, an awareness among the people that uh, going through a bike is uh, a seriously important uh, way of life. It, uh, there is an old joke you must have heard that uh, the doctors, they joined together and uh, they were discussing uh, in some part of Europe, what should we do to improve our business? So they were, uh, most of them uh, gave uh, their ideas, but finally they came up with one idea that you need to, you know, uh, take people away from the bicycle. The bicycle is not only helpful for the health of every new year, but also health of the cities we live in, the trees we live through and, uh, and the burden on the economy of the country. That is the one non-motorized non uh, thing when I see. Then again, this battery-powered, if I've seen in China, uh, there is within last, uh, say, six, seven years, every city of China, they have this uh, bike-sharing uh, companies. They just leave the bikes on one uh, different place in the city. People just charge it through their uh, apps and drive it wherever they want and they leave it there, then and there. So that is, uh, the Peshawar have started it uh, while uh, they brought in their, you know, first generation BRT system. And if you see the numbers in Peshawar, the user of bikes have increased at least 70% from 2021 to 2022. Uh, that is one way actually. And then electric bikes with the battery driven, they, that is very much into uh, most of the people from our common household, they need to travel as an individual. And maybe uh, we don't have to go more than four to five kilometers for our work or for our education, for anything. The normal 
you know, chores we need to do in the market. So this is where the motorized, uh, uh, non-motorized, electric, uh, maybe scooties or things like that, where government can uh, give some incentives and uh, keep a track of that. That will be really helpful for every individual that is having a motorbike. And the, that motorbike is not only putting up uh, a risk to the user, but also a risk to the other people on the road. So, and again, again, the economic cost attached to that. That need that may not be very difficult uh, to replace with the, these uh, bikes or uh, electric scooters, especially for the women in our country. This uh, commuting is more challenging part. The electric scooters, scooters that are very useful for that. Every young girl or woman they can handle it easily and uh, come and go to office or work or education or any time anywhere that was the first part regarding the bikes second part regarding the public policy that that uh, part needs serious uh, thinking uh, to be done uh, what we are doing uh, most of the time as uh, public institutions or the people who are responsible for making decisions for the, that affect the lives of people we are trying to, you know, uh, win the medal and uh, make shift arrangements and ad hoc policies. But there is no long-term sustainable policy that is uh, focused on the transportation of uh, our people. So that is the very reason that there is no transportation system in Pakistan. Because people did not have any transportation or any serious thought over this uh, important part of the uh, social life. Again, you know, there are three services that uh, are the most uh, integral part of any civic or social life. Obviously, the education and then this health and the transportation. So we have failed on all of the three. But uh, the worst failure we have had is in the public transportation sector. There is no integration in, in the transportation policies. There is... Uh, uh, Again, we have talked about few barriers in getting licenses or having the entry barriers or the status of the industry. But even if we do all these things, unless and until our focus is on the well-being of the people of the country or the city and the economic impact of any policy, there is no solution or no respite in sight. Uh, I, I have already given a lot of examples from our country and other countries as well. Uh, you are at the helm of a very important decision filed. Uh, do you know if any government has asked uh, think tanks like yours or other public uh, entities to come up with a sustainable 10 years transportation policy? We have had this, you know, you have mentioned in the, in the early 2000s, there was a very serious thought on uh, this uh, carriage of goods by road. Every province and every government in this country has failed to implement uh, the fundamental uh, parameters on the roads. There is axle to weight ratio, the size, number of axles, axle to engine ratio for you, the weight to the engine power ratios the size of the vehicles. Then, for example, uh, if you go into liquid transportation, we often hear that so many dozens of people were burnt in 
after an oil tanker exploded. Why is this oil tanker explodes? It cannot explode. It has to be ADR compliant. ADR is international standard for the, the, you know transportation, transporting the dangerous uh, goods and cargo. The vehicles are not ADR compliant. So that's why there are always accidents. Most of them don't even get reported. So, so the institutions of this country, they have failed. The roads, NHA has failed. And uh, the police is obviously, for whatever reason, they are part of part and parcel of compliance. The compliance, why we have fewer accidents on motorways? It's very simple. Uh, there is the compliance ratio of the compliance is higher there. The, every vehicle needs to get weighed and uh, pay for the weight they're carrying on the motorway. And then they have to uh, ensure certain compliance. So not only have we failed on making the policies, we have failed to uh, understand the challenges uh, we are facing uh, in 21st century, and we have failed to implement the older policy we have had on both three parts of any uh, you know useful outcome to have. We need to have a sustainable planning and plan. Then we need to have a pros pro progressive and future-looking uh, ideas to look into. And then we need to implement. These are the three fundamental parts we have to show. By what we have done, we have failed on each part. Then there is a lot of politics. Then uh, I can give you one example. In a city like Karachi, uh, where we don't have any sustainable public transportation system, there is a mafia lying or you know ruling the roads of Karachi. No, but they, they, they do not allow anybody to come on the road. They do not give any uh, space uh, for new entrants. So what is happening? The people of Karachi, the Karachi is the backbone of our country. They are having to, you know, use those buses at least 30, 40 years old. Indian Supreme Court, uh, few years back, they, you know, gave a decision which uh, prevented that no bus older than 15 years can be on the road or the commercial carrying goods. So what, what, what we are doing, what if you just, you know, uh, go towards uh, Kahuta or any, this Fatejan on the other side of uh, Shahabad, you will see the life of vehicles. And one big reason for the success of Fasal Moors was not uh, just the buses. Uh, most of the operators had similar buses, but uh, the thing we had, which most of the people, especially our competitors like Devu, uh, could not uh, uh, fathom, the, it was the age of the fleet. We have the youngest age of the fleet. The average age of the fleet is less than two years. While if you see at uh, other people in the competition, their age, average age of the fleet is much higher. So uh, I, I'm, I, I just can conclude that uh, we haven't had uh, a sustainable policy. We haven't had uh, a future outlook. And we have been uh, unable to implement through the law enforcement. So this, if there is anything to be done, that is to be done on all three parts, not just one, the policy, or we just give some people uh, some whacking, the wire, the your vehicle emitting no so much uh, smoke and blah 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 then the, the, there is the politics that needs to go out from uh, this policy making system we are a country we are federation transportation may become, have become a provincial subject after the 18th amendment 
But this doesn't mean that the same road that we are using in Islamabad or the same road that goes from Lahore to Karachi can have same different laws and different uh, compliance things. This is where we have to come together. And then the other two things also, the health and the education. It has to be similar. It has to be standard. The, the child being born in Parachanar have the right to study the same uh, substance that my child studies in Lahore or the people uh, that live in Islamabad enjoy the similar health facilities. They, that needs to be given to the child being born in the Turban. And similar, this transportation, the access to the transportation that has to be, have all those nine attributes I just mentioned, it needs to be made available to all over the country. And that will come only after we have a centralized and future-oriented policy that is implemented. So if uh, you want me to categorize things, one, two, three, we need to do this. The, the problem I indicated while we started our business, that is uh, the problem everybody faces. The qualities we need to bring in, I have listed five uh, different, nine different uh, things. That is the thing that everybody has to bring in on a public transportation policy. And uh, I think uh, I've spoken too much on this question. Well, thank you, Rehman Sahib. Um, well, talking about quality and international standards, we have, uh, um, I want to hear something from Malik Bakar Sahib on um, how Fessel Mover is trying to uh, set standards. I mean, how are you, how you are uh, progressing or how, how, what, what efforts are being made to meet the international standards which are required for transport? So, Malik Vakarsa, what is your take on it? Yeah, yeah, Dr. Saba, thank you very much. Actually, uh, we had a very comprehensive discussion and very comprehensive presentation by uh, Abdul Rahman Saab. And he actually uh, encompassed all the, all the prospective, even prospective questions. So, now, uh, the international, uh, regarding the international standards, first of all, we are trying to have our own, uh, you can say, uh, terminals. At the moment, because uh, especially in sharing terminals, we are uh, very much, uh, you can say, uh, we have very much limited resources to uh, implement our own views, our own thinking, our own standards, uh, because uh, of the challenges of the co-partner. So now, first of all, we are focusing on having our own terminals. And second is we are digitalizing our terminals in future so that uh, the passenger, our passengers may feel the pride and uh, the speciality to be uh, while being, while uh, onboarding uh, or while on dislodging. And, uh, and one thing this, I, I would uh, like to add just yeah, uh, yeah, I please, just please. Uh, said that we have missed one part of the discussion that what we are thinking of future. So one thing yeah, I just yeah. want to add what we've already said is we are going international in Sabah. We are starting a public transportation services for uh, Afghanistan and other countries also. We have already uh, made a lot of uh, progress in that with the governments. And then we have already on the logistics sites and uh, luckily Vakasab uh, is with us who is heading that project. We have obtained the license of TITIR, that is the Convention for the International Logistics uh, by the United Nations. So I'll be very happy if Vukasa uh, can give some uh, insight on these things. Internationally, we are trying to expand ourselves. 
Uh, and then the, I, in the end, I may be putting a few words regarding our future plans, inshallah. And regarding actually TIR, Dr. Sabha, this is uh, transport and talks route here. Basically, it's the abbreviation of uh, transport and talks route here. We uh, are the member of uh, almost uh, uh, one of the 80th uh, countries who are already in this uh, member of this TIR. For this, we don't have to get any uh, custom uh, mining, especially on the borders while uh, entering the country or uh, leaving the country. So we just have uh, had to issue the carne from PMC ICC, that is Pakistan National Committee for International uh, Chamber of Commerce. This carne actually is the paper which custom needs to check while our cargo, our, our carriers will enter in the country and while they will leave that country. And uh, if we uh, send our cargo from Pakistan to, uh, you can say, uh, Kazakhstan, there are uh, two countries in between, Afghanistan and Uzbekistan, then we will reach Kazakhstan. But in this, while we are having this TIR license and we are moving our cargo under the license of TIR, we don't need to go in the customs of Afghanistan or Uzbekistan. We will directly, our vehicle will directly go to Kazakhstan. Just they, we will uh, hand over that uh, piece of paper to the custom of Afghanistan and Uzbekistan. This is actually uh, international. Uh, this is under International Road Transport Union, IRU, and it is governed by. Hello, are you getting? Uh, am am I audible? Ji, Malik sir, you audible? Yeah, yeah, yeah. One mean uh, of the logistics, which uh, uh, which we are nowadays focusing on, and we have already. Uh, in uh, start of February, uh, we will be uh, on road uh, under this IRU. Mr. Abdurrahman, up to you. Yes, uh, thank you very much, Rukasa. I hope uh, this covers one part of our uh, future plans, that is, uh, we are going to want our own borders, both in terms of commercial and uh, public transportation. So uh, in the next phase, we're going to have our offices uh, in uh, Central Asian states uh, for, uh, because we look at uh, this huge potential of uh, uh, large land mass, but what we are the southern part of uh, the, the warm waters, so-called. We are not the owners, but uh, custodian a large part of that. So our future concern goes towards that. We've already had few consignments run till Azerbaijan and Turkey and uh, there are only three companies in Pakistan who got this license. So luckily one uh, company is ours. So from here, uh, what we see as uh, what is our outlook uh, for uh, a company as business and then how can we you know, contribute uh, towards overall uh, uh, national uh, economy and our own economy at the same time. So this is uh, one is going beyond uh, the borders. Two is we are becoming uh, all integrated digital company that uh, will have uh, one window solution for all kinds of transportation and logistic needs. And that 
will obviously entail our uh, commercial business also where we already have very large uh, state but we are going to expand that also into the warehousing and uh, integrated uh, distribution systems then again uh, in the public transportation we look at uh, the governments uh, the i hope uh, it, the power now is in favor of establishing public transportation systems so uh, we having the largest states in in the country uh, will be a big, big i mean entity to reckon with when it comes to competition for uh, public transportation or brt system or even train systems so i hope we've been able to cover that otherwise uh, what we are looking at uh, how we do and then again this uh, technology uh, we'll be uh, looking at the alternate means of technology and when possible and if it is uh, viable commercially we'll inshallah be the first people to bring to the country so dr sahab over to you for from us we have uh, i hope that the the agenda you had uh, issued with us uh, we have tried to cover most of the things i don't know how successful we have been well thank you so much abdul rahman sahab and thank you malik wakar sahab uh, uh, yes we still have a lot of questions to uh, talk about especially um, i mean uh, we we want to go into the depth of intra city transport mechanisms the systems the future of the intra city transport also um well for for international transport or for intercity i think there's as as we discussed there isn't much of a problem in that but why compliance is not taking place why standards are not being met when in terms of uh, when it comes to intercity where we have major portion of accidents taking place where we have major uh, concern of safety regulations uh, where major chunk of the population is commuting from one part of the city to the other for their jobs for their schools for their education for their employment so this is something we would like to discuss in detail with you again and also the the commercial part of the the cargo the freight that you are carrying would like to discuss that again with you i hope uh, you'll be available um, for pite uh, for another webinar on it so thank you so much uh, thank you thank you all the participants thank you abdur rahman sahab and thank you malik wakar sahab it was a pleasure having you on thank you very much Thank you very Thank much, you, madam. Sir. We are very honored Thank to be, you know, uh, heard, and uh, we are really, we really appreciate your efforts. Uh, we wish you the best of luck, and please, uh, you know, we are pledging our unconditional support. We'll be available for any any part we can play in anything battle we can do. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir. All Thank the you. best. Thank you.